Hey, welcome back to the Backstage Cowboys podcast. This is Claude Vien. This time, I'm taking you down to Florida. <laughs> Which is a little ridiculous because we're right in the middle of a heat wave, but what the hell. Um, we're going to go meet one of my old buddies who was there when I started off as a lighting technician. And uh, he's, he's one of the guys who kind of pushed me in the ass and, and brought me to do stuff I never would have tried. He, he just insisted and, and was calling impossible shots. And, well, that was a good thing because it helped me surpass myself and become a better lighting guy. So, anyway, I present you my good friend, Louis Franchi Rouleau. Hey, Louie, my old, literally old friend. <laughs> yeah, right? You're only four years older than I am, but yeah, whatever. You're still my old friend. How you doing, man? I'm really doing fantastic, buddy. It's just, I'm just having a great time here in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, well, actually, I was in Fort Lauderdale for uh, almost 10 years, so to be exact, I was in Boca Raton. Then we bought a boat on Fort Myers Beach about uh, two and a half years ago, and my wife and I we just moved in, and it's like like people say, uh, we're living the dream. Sounds like a program uh, on how to become a millionaire. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think you'll become a millionaire li living on a sailboat, uh, <laughs> you know. But you, 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 you uh, money is no issue here because you know you. I got when I moved, I moved my house. So when I go sailing, I sail with my house. So I got everything. I'm always where I need to be. <laughs> you know, like last yeah. week, we went to uh, Dry Tortugas. Uh, so I took the house. <laughs> so we were out at sea for six days. Um, it's nice. So you got everything you need in a boat, uh, all your uh, all your little gadget, all your little fun things. Uh, I brought my acoustic guitar, which I didn't play because it was I had some chores to do over there in Dry Tour Two Guys. We visited. Uh, you know, that's what it is. Do you still play sometimes? Do you still do, you still do gigs? I still do. I play. Um, I started about I would say a year ago. Um, uh, Jose and I we um, go to a messianic synagogue and I play guitar over there. Oh yeah, and. Yeah, and then uh, a buddy of mine got me hooked up with um, um, a church that is in the same building that the synagogue rents to them. So I play on Saturday and Sunday. Do I make any money? No. No. That's why we stopped playing music in the first place, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, the, yes, that's right, you know. So I'm having a great time. It's beautiful. The people let me do what I want to do. I just do my things. I just ask what key it is in, and uh, I just I only do solos. I don't even know the chords. I look at the chords and uh, I close my eyes and I do my stuff. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You know what I did? I just what? got me. I got to show you. Oh, 
Well, that's a precision. That's a five string or four string. That's a four string. It's a an ESP LTD. Um, oh wow! It's, yeah, it's not an expensive bass, but uh, I've been wanting to play the bass for years and never got around to it. And uh, no, I don't know. I'm I'm 54. I think it's about time. And I can't wait till I'm 74 so I can start playing with people who don't <laughs> exist yet. And tell them that I started at 54. <laughs> so I've been playing for about a month and a half, and I'm having a great time. It's really how's cool. Your, how's your calluses? Is your calluses working great? I'm not there yet. Oh, you're I, not no, there no, yet? No, they're huh? nice and smooth. I, I, no, I'm not there yet. I haven't worn out my hands yet, so I'm still good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your career, man. Uh, you started off, I mean, tell me how it started. I, I guess that it started as a musician, right? Or uh... Yeah, you know what? I've been playing music uh, since 1973. Hmm. 1975, that was first band. Uh, 19... Um, 81, I was, uh, if I might quote-unquote professional player, um, the uh, first Christian rock band that was in Canada was I and another guy was called Access. Uh, we were um, uh, working with a band in, uh, in the United States we call Resurrection Band. We tour until 1989, and after that, um, I moved on, went to uh, another band, uh, was called Bacon and Egg. <laughs> yeah. Original. And Egg, 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 E-G-G, but the singer was uh, a, a dark-collar guy. Oh, I see. <laughs> Okay, so, we, yeah. we won't go there. Well, we can. Okay. I know, I know, I know. So, it was, uh, it's, he's a lovely guy i love that guy he's beautiful man that guy looked like a million buck wow. couldn't sing but he looked <laughs> he looked good and what uh, did we, he play we, uh he played guitar and sang okay uh, he still do it today um mm -hmm. having said that uh, we uh, then uh, around i would say that would be 89 that's when i started um buying my stuff actually when the uh What's it called? That uh, Mackie VLZ. Mm. What when Mackie sixteen VLZ came out? That's when I bought my first desk. Okay. I was, so we're talking I, about a soundboard here to, for those who don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you bought that what in eighty nine? So you say, right? and when that came out, uh, well, I think it would be maybe more on. Uh, 89 uh, i don't know exactly when it was when that company came out maybe it could be mm. 91 uh 91 or somewhere around this, that at facility. some point it doesn't really matter anymore right yeah <laughs> and um so that's how i started uh, uh because i was mixing the band recording on the cassette vhf cassette every show was recorded that way okay and yeah because i wanted to what you doing you know i do word last night i did that for a couple of years and uh, then i bought myself a pa i was working then at a store in montreal called saint musical on sick oh yeah i remember that okay so i was part-time there um uh well let me back up a little bit i was a looter at 
uh, La Tosca Music Store. Mm -hmm. Okay, and before that, I learned that um, uh, uh, Maraza music on St. Catherine Street. You're bringing back souvenirs here. <laughs> on St. Catherine yeah. Street. So that's how I started. Uh, I would say that would be 82, mm -hmm. uh, 81, 81, 82. And that's how I learned the craft of repairing, breaking guitar, burning guitars, <laughs> a breaking a Rickenbacker bass uh, neck. Uh, did all, But there was a looter there. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he was fond on me and he showed me all the tricks, how to choose wood, how to make it sound good. So I learned my trade, then I got uh, moved to uh, La Tosca Music. Uh, we're still playing music, playing music two, three, four times a day. At La Tosca Music, I came certified, a Gibson um, certified repair guy. Oh. Yes, um, for the minor. Uh, so broken neck, I was not allowed to repair. Okay. Okay, everything else mm -hmm. uh, I could repair. Uh, I did a lot of I, I did a lot of uh, understanding how pickups work. I had so much guitar in my hands. So, nevertheless, from there I went to. Uh, Sound Musical on Sick, and there was a rental department over there. Yeah. And every Wednesday, I would go over there and play with all their guitars <laughs> and make their guitars playable. Oh, okay. You know, because yeah, no yeah. store does that. So every every guitar I tuned, I made it. Uh, uh, I mean, I like a high action, but I made it lower action for the kids. Okay. But everything. Perfectly. Every guitar, you pick it up, it was perfect. Wow. And that guy uh, had about 600 guitars on the road. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was providing for all the tours and all that, right? So, uh, they were Yorkville, uh, PA over there. Mm -hmm. And I uh, started to um, making sense of PAs a little bit, you know. Uh, learning how it work, uh, reading books about uh, PAs and things like that. And uh, so when people would come in and rent stuff, I would um, provide sound people. I myself with my Mac key, and then I would add stuff that would they, that the these guys didn't know. So you need EQs for monitors, you need reverb and all the this and all that, you know. So I was uh, sort of the uh, uh, the guy who to go to. You, you want to rent a PA? Okay, that's how much it costs. And I would provide sometimes tra transport. After a while, I had like six sound guys working for me. Hmm. I was still touring with a band called Nightlife then, um, with Earl Bernard. Uh, we were booked by CR. We did all the arenas, the big uh, circuit they called. Je vais parler en français comme ça, tu vas pouvoir l'éditer. Ma femme a fait du ménage, puis elle voulait demander si elle pouvait partir à la balayeuse, puis j'ai dit non, tu peux. 
can say that in English, right? You can say that in English. I could say that. So my, my wife was asking my wife was asking me if she could pass a vacuum because we're finishing. So she's standing a wall, and she wants to vacuum the floor. You know. So I said, no, sorry, honey, you can't do. Well, so no. having said that, we were going out with uh, nightlife, uh, touring uh, all over the country, and having and I was providing my PA again. Okay. You know. I bought a PA, a PV PA with a big horn, with a 15, I think I had four boxes with my Mackie. <laughs> and then, you know, I I, I went to uh, GS Audio, okay. close talk. Yeah, okay. Jeff and, Jeff and uh, I don't remember the other guy's name, and they hired me. And now well, Steve I Steve Coasters. Yeah, but not he, Steve. He was the was owner, another... right? He was the owner. Yeah. Actually, he's my boss today. He's he he owns AVL Media Group, for which yeah. I work. Oh, and, so yeah. you're and he started cost uh, co-star in the beginning. Yeah, so yeah. you're with uh, John Young. Yeah, that's right. Oh wow! <laughs> I'll come to John Young later on. Uh, so. so having said that, uh, GS Audio hired me, and then I learned the big league. Okay, sort of. Dimmers, mm. you know, uh, real consoles, and I was doing uh, weddings for them, mixing weddings. They were sending me the weddings, doing this and doing some permanent installs, and getting my craft in. So one day, uh, oh, maybe I would say just a little parentheses. While I was in with bacon and egg. There was a guy, uh, 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 Francois Couture, is it the name? Is it? Uh, yes, Francois Couture. Um, he had a studio on Repentigny, and he had a big PA. Okay. I met him providing gear in a club where I was playing, and he hired me. That was in 89, and I did the platters. Oh, wow. With him. Those are memorable gigs. I got still goosebumps <laughs> because uh, yes, I, I the level of professionalism these guys were. Uh, François Couture, how professional! That's the first time I saw Sakapex. Oh yeah, that's the first time in '89 I saw Snake, <laughs> a drive line, you know, uh, crossovers and yeah, all professional that thing. gear. Yeah. Yes. So moving forward, uh, I would say I'm in uh, 2000, no, maybe 98, 98, somewhere. I started with Coster. And then one day, I go fix. They were providing at the old port of Montreal, the big stage of 550. They were providing audio and light and everything over there. And there was a crossover not working on a monitor rig. Mm -hmm. So they asked me to go over there and fix it. So when I got over there, I noticed that uh, there was a front of house guy. Uh, his name uh, is Richie Forte. Oh, yeah. So I got I fixed the monitor rig, and him and I we tuned the monitor rig, and he liked it so much uh, that we rang out the stage line. And then I, he asked uh, uh, Coster for me to stay over there. 
and to help out uh, ADP's Montreal Symphonic Orchestra setting up on stage. Okay, that's a small so task, became, right? <laughs> I became a stage manager right there. Uh-huh. And then I made the order how they would walk in because there was no space, trust me. Yeah. So I, I really took over the stage and I felt really good doing that. And then working with Richie Forte uh, was a very, uh, for me, he was the best sound man I ever heard. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Richie, I, I know Richie. I've done a, quite a few gigs with him. And, uh, you know, you're, you're reminding me that I really get, I really need to get them, get him on this show. Um, yes, you I, need to. I will give him a call. He passed by my office a couple times in the past year. And, yes. Uh, yeah, he's a busy man. You need man, to though. get a hold of him, yeah. yes. Uh, having said that, when I was done with this, uh, went back to uh, GS Audio, doing my regular job, and uh, one day this guy calls me off. His name is Archie Cifelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he calls me up. He says, he literally... Archie Cifelli said to me, Hi, are you Louis? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, let me tell you something. I don't know. I, I don't know what the fuck you did to my son, man. But if I don't hire you, he will not do the gig. Wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, where and when I'll be, I'm glad to be working with you guys. So that's the Italian festival. Oh, yeah, okay, I remember that. You remember that? That's about the time okay. we met. Around, uh, the, around those years. Well, yes, around those years, yes. Yeah. And um, so I got over there. We did the fashion show with Hans. We did the, the Italian festival. Uh, everything was great. Then Archie hired me. Then I started gigs. My first real big, overwhelming uh um couldn't understand everything i actually now today i would say i then i didn't understand nothing but mm. you know was the black and blue in 2000 oh yeah yeah that's a huge production there was a uh, 400,000 watt of sound <laughs> and 4 million watts of lighting yeah Yeah, and Jean Coco was the lighting guy over there. Yeah. By the way, I'm 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 talking to Coco tonight. Oh, cool! I'm, I'm having say him hi. on the show. Yeah, I'll say hi say for sure. Hi. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story. He told me one day. So you know he's in China or Japan, whatever. He's in he China. Is. Yeah, he's in Beijing. He's in China. So yeah. he's doing focus. He's down. There's a rigger up there to focus, and the guy was texting. <laughs> And he tried to get a hold of the kid, and the kid didn't answer. He left, came back an hour and a half later. He said, now I know how to swear in Mandarin, <laughs> whatever Chinese I have to speak. But I said to the guy, uh, you know, you didn't do your job. Me, I went to lunch. I came back an hour and a half later. <laughs> that was a good story that Koku told me. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so Jacques Lévesque, uh, I saw things with a, a 75 techno beam on their circular truss. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw cartwheels, I saw, I saw, and the sound, um, the sound pressure, <laughs> mm. with eight stacks. Uh, we had a 53 footer full of SB1000. Yeah, 
Yeah, eight be, high. for those who don't know, those are double fifteen uh, inch, double eighteen, uh, double eighteen, double eighteen, double 18, 18 inch speakers. Canon, yeah, one hundred forty dB Canon type of speakers. <laughs> They're the most. I think actually today, if you use them outside, they are the one who push SPL the furthest. Wow. Uh, so it was eight high, eight wide, eight in circle, <laughs> with. Vertec 89 um, uh, flown, I think there was 12 or 16 on each tower <laughs> shooting to the center where the DJ was. Yeah, and this was an indoor rig. That was in the Olympic Stadium, the Olympic stadium in yeah. the room, in the big room. Yeah. That was the first and last time. At 5 o'clock in the morning, when John fired up the PA, 800 complaint came in <laughs> at 5 o'clock in the morning. Five miles around. Oh, shit. Oh. Yeah. That's why it's never going to be there in a building itself. It always do, they do it now in a garage. Yeah. Because it's just, it just, it's just crazy. The whole city. So that was my first big gig uh, working there. I was still a freelance working with Clodo, with GS Audio, um, uh, doing this, doing that. And uh, one day, I don't remember when it was. I was uh, at Le Centre Musical Antique, and I come across uh, uh, my sister's old boyfriend, and um, he was the tour manager for Marie Chantal Toupin. Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, "You need a sound guy." He says, "Yeah." So that's how I got the gig. Oh, so you were a sound guy on that on that tour. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were like technical director or something. Yeah. Well, I was both. Okay. Then I fired myself. <laughs> okay. Explain me. Explain that. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that uh, oh, um, it's it's. I don't think it's feasible to be a front of house guy and be a tour manager at the same time during arena gigs. Because you got the green room to take care, you got the merch to take oh, care. Oh yeah, yeah. The bus. So I didn't have any sound check nowhere anytime. I didn't have time for nothing. Mm, that's true. That's true. When you do all those chores, you don't have time. You cannot be professional at everything. Yeah, that's true. You got to you got to decide your battle. Mm. And I was still young in a mixing business not old enough to say well i will not be able to elevate my talent as she needs to be mm -hmm. so i decided to fire myself <laughs> and uh, so i did and a, a great respect i didn't lose the salary so i still had two salary oh yeah 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 i was i was getting better paid than marie chantal herself well that that's often the case uh, yeah. on, on many gigs I've seen especially circus gigs I've seen techs being paid a lot more than the artists yes and, and in They're circus gigs that, that's that's what was bothering me these these people are actually risking their lives and uh, and we're comfortably seated and pushing buttons and we're making more money than these people it yeah it's an awkward feeling but it's it's reality right well the thing is is that um, you are you are uh you choose your you choose your your career yeah you choose your passion or passion chooses you however you want to look at it 
and then money is not an issue no more. Yeah. Okay. This guy has more talent than we have because their life, like you say, their life depend on them, on, on them actually. Mm-hmm. Us is pushing buttons, making a right call at the right time. Yeah. We won't kill anybody if we drop, uh, we didn't push the fader up fast enough. Yeah, that's true. They die. Mm. So, uh, they got a lifelong career. We don't. How long we'll be on a tour? So I, I I agree with you, and I and and I, and I agree that the tech should be well paid because the level, the responsibility we have for the thousands, the ten thousands of people that are around you. Um, one guy. Mm-hmm. So the sound guy mixes for 10,000 people. Yeah. The lighting guy mixes for 10,000 people. Yeah, actually, that was my argument. When I just bring down the house lights and people start screaming, I'm God Almighty, and most people in the room don't know I exist. Exactly. It's a, it's a cool feeling, though. I, I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> I, I did. I still do. Yeah. I sometimes I have uh, managers, tour managers, or or whatever beside me. I will say to them, "Okay, uh, this song needs people to clap." Mm. So what I do, I said, I said, "I'll I'll make people clap." How can you do that? Take my snare, push it up a bit. Uh-huh. So I overpower my snare because I want them to tap on the snare. Yeah. When they start clapping, I bring it down because the momentum is started. And then I have the whole arena clapping. Yeah, like like you say, you bring down the lights, people will start clapping. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know? We have that it's, power, and it's it's, yes. it's kind of it's almost magical. You know? Well, we have more <laughs> power than than we th- you think because naturally, if it would be neon lights and a static mixer, yeah, the show is boring. That's true. Yeah, but if you have a mixer who mix and knows music, in my case, uh, so I I I uh, do a lot of dynamics. I'm a very big dynamic. I give myself goosebumps <laughs> on almost every song because I will bring dynamics because I know when the chorus come, I know when the verses come, I know when the solo will come, and then after a while it's always the same song. So it's it's a repeat. But you drive, you drive. And um, so th- there's a lot of fun doing that. So, you know, uh, when I, I work with Cloda, I went full time with Cloda for one year. You're not. You were there then, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. And that was uh, one of the worst uh, difficult thing in my life. When I received my uh, W1 or whatever, what's it called in Canada there, the, uh, your income tax paper, whatever. Yeah, uh, T4s yeah. and so, what, uh, yeah, T1s, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. The, I realized that I was paying 51% of my salary to the government. Yep. So I said yep. to Archie, I said, Archie, fire me. <laughs> what do you mean? Yes. I make too much overtime. I work half my, more than half of my time work for the government. I mixed the Black Quebec well for two years. That was, that was not, that was the least of my problem because they, had, they actually paid me to be their sign guy. Mm. 
But <laughs> working and paying the government to work, I didn't agree with that. Yeah. So uh, Archie agreed and he fired me. So this way, uh, uh, I said, that it's not, uh, I didn't want uh, chômage and all those things. Yeah. Uh, welfare, you know, I didn't want anything of that. I didn't collect that. And after that, you know, um, I came in the United States, having the opportunity to get my green card, got my green card, got yeah. my citizenship. How did that happen? And what, first of all, what made you decide to go to the States? My wife, my girlfriend, Dan. Yeah. When I met Jose, I was touring with Marie Chantal. Okay. She was the sister of the owner of uh, dealers of Harley Davidson that was sponsoring the yeah. tour. Yes, that's right. Okay. So we were sponsored by Harley Davidson, like I was saying. And uh, so one day, uh, Jose came to the show. I said, oh, mm, look at you. I said to myself. So, never. <laughs> so nevertheless, we, I got... I asked her to be my merch girl. Okay. And she, and she said no. Well, she just came to watch the show, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. But oh yeah, but, but she, she was yeah she was uh, in the family. She's yeah, sort okay. of the family, you yeah. know. She was sister of. Okay. So she's you know uh, for me she was beautiful and you know had a lot of energy and everything. So so she said no. Mm -hmm. I asked. I asked her, I said, do you realize who I'm with right now? You know, there's a, this is the biggest store there is right now. And you say no to me. And that's how, I, that's when I started to like her. Oh. Because I knew she was not a groupie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Good test. Yeah. Well, it was not a test, but uh, it came <laughs> to, uh, you know, it, instead of being, and being deceived, not deceived, but uh, annoyed and I didn't, you know, it, it make me say, well, I'm proud of her. She she stands for her own. She doesn't want to be part of this thingy of the, you know. Yeah. So nevertheless, that's uh, how we met. And, and after that, she was going into the United States every winter. So one year I said to her, uh, well, let's go together. So I came, uh, became a snowbird for about four years. Mm -hmm. I remember that time. Yeah, and, and um, did you have a boat at the time? No, no, no you no. didn't. But I think you were talking about that, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were talking about it. Yeah. So, uh, so we came, uh, and after we had the opportunity to have a green card, we applied and we got it. Yeah. And then, and then five years later, we got our citizenship. So we got dual citizenship. Wow. There's, there's things that I, I want to say. Uh, Francois Couture sort of uh, introduced me to the big league sound production thing. Mm -hmm. But Richie Forte was really my, my guru then. Okay. He had an O3D, and I bought myself an O3D. Mm. And that's when I... And then there was a band... That was uh, really good. Uh, was not signed yet, and they were doing a lot of clubs. And I had my O3D. I had my snakes. Mm. Uh, what band was that? Uh, I don't remember the band. Okay. Oh, a good band. So they were doing the medium to, uh, uh, league. They called, I think. Yeah. They were not in a big league like I was, but they were doing medium league, and I was mixing them in every place they go. 
Okay. James, I did. I did a lot, a lot, a lot of musician because I own my O3D. So when they hired me, already sounded decent, if I might say. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the beginning of uh, digital boards, right? Yeah. There was O2R, O1V, and O3D. And I liked O3D because it was a 24-in, 8-out rack mountable. Mm -hmm. I could carry it in my car, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I was using Richie Forte's uh, TMS4 and his double 18 and his amp rack and his microphone. I did a lot of bands with that. And I was mixing, mixing. And uh, one day at the Italian Fest, there was this little short, petite guy. I would say 5'2", Italian, only spoke Italian. And he was picky, like, like picky, picky, picky. Okay. But at the end of the day, when the band started, for the first time in my life, I saw sound. Oh. I, I could close my eyes and I could say where in place, in space, sound was coming from. Richie Forte, was, that was his gear. He was amazed how this little tiny guy got his rig uh, um, a Clodagh's PA, but his front of house, meaning his O3D and his finalizer, and uh, KF850, SB850. Uh, how, with regular microphones, you know, the, the one, the usuals, and um, how this guy got it down, man. Who that is, it was. Who is this guy? I I found his name. I, I, I think I found him. He's doing he's the first one who went, who did the Lisa from L Acoustic. Uh I think it's the guy. Uh I would hope so because he deserve he deserve uh all the applause. Uh so that that guy really put something into my ears. You know, when you play music, you have a sound in your ears. Yeah. And until you achieve that, you strive and you strive and you study. So one day, there's another gig that I was providing and uh, I was a system engineer and uh, Paulo Bizarro came came and played on the PA. Was not a really uh, pleasant guy, Uh, but uh, having said that, his floor tom was out of this world, out of this world. It was like, gee, man, uh, he, he, there was no real depth. Like, I could not see sound like the Italian, but for all the rest that I heard, he was the best one. After you, Paolo did the uh, the sound for Marichante de Pain, I believe, right? Or yes. he was technical well, director or whatever. He did both, I believe. Well, the, yes. Uh, well, actually, uh, um, Pierre... Uh, what's Pierre's lighting guy, or his last name there? Pierre Saint-Mars? Oh, no, Pierre no. Roy. Pierre Roy. Pierre, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Pierre Roy, me, I quit the tour. Uh, there was, there were, when your driver tells you how, where to place fences... <laughs> yeah yeah okay 
and I had a reason because I was carrying a lot. People were kids. Most I would, I would say a quarter of the audience was kids. Uh-huh. So, so I was very particular on SPL, and they wanted to be front stage. So you know, uh, SPL the fences were at one meter, so I knew that the SPL was around 110 dB at the ears subs ears height of the kids. Uh-huh. So don't change the fences. There's a physical reason. It didn't please nobody, but there was like a, I brought the uh, the fence further out where the stacks was, uh-huh. and I. I brought it really close to stage for the fans to step on the bottom lead of the uh, the fence, and they could climb up and tap the talent's hand. Uh-huh. So, okay, so that was that was the the goal of my stuff. So I, I knew that every time she tapped a hand, it was a ching. Yeah, a CD, a CD was sold. Uh huh. That's true. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a technical reason for that. Yes, I was yeah. trained by uh, uh, Claude uh, Claude Zero, Kispain. Uh, a Cirque du Soleil producer. Uh-huh. He was living in the same building in a loft downtown Montreal. He was a, a, a story higher than me. And, uh, you know, uh, Peter Gabriel, he produces Peter Gabriel. Oh, okay. Okay. So he, he came in and saw, saw me playing when I was touring as a guitar. But we talked business. We talked how to produce show. And he explained everything to me. Okay, I see. That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Yeah. There's only there's only ten tricks, and for Mary Chantal, I only sold her three because he had me promise that if they don't want to hear, uh, if they don't want to hear, don't teach them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You can't force so, it on. Yeah. No, no, because uh, and then when I left, it went down. Then Pierre Roy called me up. He says, "Louis, you want to? Um, you mind if I take the tour?" I said, "No, <laughs> she would be well served." Mm-hmm. A year later, he calls me up. He says, "They're uh, beep beep. They're crazy." So I left. <laughs> then uh, Paulo took it and left too. Said they're crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, looking to get Pierre Wall on the show too. He didn't answer oh, my yeah. email, but I'm guessing he probably didn't get it because uh, yeah, it's not in his nature not to answer my mail. So uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll buzz him again and and see if we yeah. can get him on the show. Tell me about. I mean, I, I remember your first days in uh, in Florida. You were uh, you were up with the uh, Miami Sound Machine, right? Well, I got. I was working. With, I came when I came down. I visit all the sound company that was in South Florida. I drove my call all around and sent my resume. That sent gave it hand to hand my resume to each company. Okay. And it's a, and a company called uh, Garrett hired me. And Garrett was a, a good friend of the tour manager of Gloria. Okay. So they were. She was doing this. Miami Sound Machine was doing a corporate gig. So I was the sound guy. Oh. So that's how you got it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So what else? Uh, what else did you do? I I, I mean I've seen posts uh, of you go by. I've seen you on Caribbeans or whatever. I've um, I, I saw a few cool things go by. So what else did you have the opportunity to do while you're uh, while you're you're American? Uh, I would say that I I did. As a provider, 
I did most American bands there is here. Wow. Uh, I, I stopped posting on Facebook, as you notice. I even closed my account for many years uh, because of um, uh, uh, the jealousy of people. You know, my real friends are not jealous, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dan Matteo, uh, uh, one of the best sound guy in Montreal, yeah. does Aguazin. I haven't seen him in a while, yeah. And does Aguazin and all those guys. When we meet together, he's proud. I'm proud of him and he's proud of me. Yeah. He's not, he's not jealous of whom I mixed because... I'm in the States. You're bound to work with them. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, sometimes we get to work with them here. I mean, I've, I've yeah. done some big names here on one-nighters and, and special events, so I'm guessing if you're in the States, you're going to have lots of opportunities. And everybody wants to go at South Beach. We, mm -hmm. were the, we were the sound company at South Beach on the beach. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, not fun. Oh, well, I mean... It, it, you think it's fun, but <laughs> sea air, sand, electronics. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Do you see the picture here? Well, I mean, I see it every time I go on vacation. Uh, if, I, if I take a boat or, or anything that's on the beach, I, I always take a picture of the speakers and whatever because, I mean, after a month, they're shot. Yeah, I mean they're they're rusted. They sound like crap. I mean, yes, it's crazy. Yes, you gotta soap <laughs> yeah. wash them. Every component. Crazy. You have wow. to open uh, the the console and spray water into them. You know, it's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is at the same time. I mean, can you yes. imagine hosing down your console? <laughs> I I uh, I came very. You know, I was a uh, uh, Yamaha. Uh, was the console of choices then when there was no, uh, there was not a lot of big company. My preferred console then was a PM5D. That was, I could troubleshoot a PM5D on my sleep. Anybody, yeah. you know, you, you play on a PM5D every day. That was my workhorse. It was everybody's workhorse. Um, you know, uh, did, uh, and I got, uh, this guy at Yamaha, Joseph Lopez, if you look him up, you see where he's at, at Joseph Lopez, have his personal phone number. Um, I realize uh, in this business is, uh, is, is who you know is not what you know. What you know is important, but who you know is very, very important. Yeah, who, know, who you know and your attitude and the rest is learnable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, my attitude, I'm still very passionate. They call me really passionate. Mm -hmm. You know, in the States, oh, I got to say something. In the States, my name is Frenchie. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that. I, I wanted yeah. to tell you. You know, it's funny because uh, I have a lot of French friends, of course, coming from Quebec. Yeah. And uh, I also have a couple of Frenchie friends who happen yes. to, to have a surname that's called, they're called Frenchie. But I think you're the first one that I know of. <laughs> yes, the reason is, is that, you know, um, American, the first thing they want to know when they meet you is where you come from. Yeah. So your accent is your... Uh, is, yeah, it betrays you a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> so I, when I say French, French-Canadian, um, now they, they always will remember me. 
So nobody knows, few people know my real name. They all call me Frenchy. Uh, yeah. You know, don't call me French because now you're insulting me. <laughs> and it's IE, it's not the Y at the end. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few Frenchy. There's a Frenchy in Orlando. He's a video guy. Uh huh. And there's a Frenchy in uh, uh, Miami, and he's a rigger. Okay. So there's in South Florida. There's three Frenchy, but we all different trade. <laughs> uh, you know. So I, when I I did that um, at Garrett. I realized that uh, there was no passion. My boss was not passionate at all. Actually, he didn't care less about anything. So for coming a, a Quebecer, coming from Montreal, we're all passionate. We love what we do. And uh, so I, I started the name Frenchie. Hmm. And all the tours, uh, and they were telling me, oh, Frenchie, man, what you did, you know, I tuned the PA and... Uh, what you did was perfect, and uh, uh, I got a I got a a buddy of mine who uh, does Katy Perry, and uh, I, I set up the PA. And I must say, I always have John Young for me. Is even John Young is on my resume uh -huh. as my guru because well, John. Yeah, John Young is a brand name, right? You, you mentioned John Young. Everybody knows who John Young is. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Every, and I didn't learn nothing from his mouth. Just watching I, him. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and one day we were doing a gig in Montreal in the university in Circular Cement, and there was an international tour that came in there, Grand Stack, JBL 89s, and... Um, the guy didn't touch one curve on EQ. Mm -hmm. And then I knew, because I saw a smart curve, uh, and uh, then I knew that this guy is, is a step above everybody. Uh, so I, had, I still do have great respect for the guy. For me, learning, watching him, I learned a lot with him. Yeah, I have the opportunity to talk with John a lot since you know we work together, and uh, the stuff he explains to me. And yet, I'll I'll admit I understand half of it maybe because I'm not a sound guy, and even yeah. if I was, I wouldn't be at that level. <laughs> but um, but it, it it is fascinating. I mean, how how the guy is knowledgeable and how he can actually bend sound any which way he wants. Yes, and he he explains to me how he does that, and it's I'm just amazed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You need a good drive rack to do that. Oh, I, yeah. He's got the equipment to do it. No no doubt about that. But then again, I mean, when y you want to have that guy where the equipment is, right? You're not <laughs> going to send him out with a Mackie and two powered speakers. No, right? no. You're wasting talent. <laughs> wasting talent. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, so I, when I did, I, I studied uh, uh, Dave Rat. Many years, Dave Rat was giving courses on YouTube for free. Okay. So I did yeah. all the math. I did everything. I studied the physics of sound, cardioid, and uh, all, all the hypercardioid, and all the delays, and shifting subs, and and all the names doesn't come in my mind right now. I don't know why, because I'm, I'm, the point was is that with with Katy Perry's song guy, 
Fern is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he, we were doing uh, Katy Perry at the Fountain Blue in Miami, in South Beach, by the pool outside, and he says to me, he said, Frenchie, come here. I said, oh, shit. What did I do again, you know? And mm-hmm. he says, you hear this? What? Well, I don't know what he told me, whatever it was. He says, you know what? You're the only one who tuned a PA so I could hear this sound. Oh. I said, oh, gee, thank you. <laughs> That's a compliment. So I said to him, I said, you know what? You do me a favor, send an email to my boss. Yeah. And I started doing that and everybody. So the year after, tour would ask, is French is going to be there? Mm-hmm. He didn't care about the company. They care about Frenchie. Well, I always said you deal with the, you deal with individuals, not companies. Yeah, that's that's always what I thought. I mean, it doesn't really matter what company you deal with. You want that service. You want that you know personal service. Yes, and and you want that quality, and uh, only people can bring that. So I, I heard a lot of sound guy, I must say, and uh, and. Doing, working with Garrett, mixing so many shows, it's not even funny. I, I came, you know, doing Marie Chantal at 120 dB at front of house. Now I'm 85 dB at front of house. Mm. Uh, and I grew the shit out of PA, man. Yeah. I could bring it up. I Dynamically, I bring it up to 110. But it's, yeah. not, it's not 110 on the get-go. So when it's, you know, I groove at 85, 90. There you go. Yeah, I've had the occasion to uh, to work with people who can do that, who can actually drive. I mean, they're driving loud, but you can still talk. Yeah. I mean, it's just so sweet because many people will drive loud, but they'll just boost the wrong frequencies. And I don't yes. know if I'm saying this right because I'm not a sound guy, but it's just aggressive. I mean, it's still too loud with earplugs on, you know. It's not sure. Flutcher Monson curve. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> it's two doc- <laughs> it's two doctors. Flutcher Monson. You'll look it up later on. You'll see the curve. You'll see the human being human ears. I I applied this physics for many years. That's John Young's curve, but it's a uh-huh. Flet- Flutcher Monson curve. Okay, good to know. We'll look that up. So uh <laughs> working with uh at Garrett I have this guy, Ross Kimpy, an acoustic guy. I hire him. He's number two in North America, and he's number seven in the world. Okay. And he's my A2. And I say, Ross, man, stop it. I'm, a, I'm an A35 compared to you. You know, just... just, just, <laughs> just. So one day we do uh, Carlos Vivas. I don't care. It doesn't matter who it was, but... It was Robert Colby, the front of house guy. Mm-hmm. That's Genesis. That's, that, yes, that's international big fucking league. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry for the fuck. I should that's not okay. Say um, I've said it before. There are no rules on this podcast. Yeah, but so. I, should, I should not yeah. say that. So <laughs> nevertheless, so uh, Robert, so I said to Ross, said, you know Robert? Yeah, for sure. We work together. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I said, Ross, be my A1. I'll be the A2. I'll take care of the stage. 
I'll do everything over there. But one favor, the PM5D, I, here's my PCM card, load is show into my, into my card <laughs> when he's done. Yeah. And so you can study it, right? Exactly. And then yeah. my life changed. Oh, yeah. Because there were some people in Montreal that was laughing at me because they called me the gay guy. Mm. And really? Yes. 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 They're not even in a business, Archie tells me. Okay. But it, but it really bothered me. Hmm. Uh, you know? So I realized that I was right. They were wrong. Mm. Robert Colby, that's how I know. I knew that he gated the snare. Uh-huh. And he gated the bottom snare triggered by the top snare. Ooh-wee. You know? So there was a lot of literal details. And what I did is I took... Oh, because there was bongos, there was timbales, there was trumpet, trombone. There was, there was a 48-channel full of stuff. <laughs> and it's Robert Colby. So every channel, I took everything and I made library file for every console there is on the planet. <laughs> so one day, Miami Machine. The Miami machine, when they walk on stage, you cannot ask the drummer to do kick. It doesn't work this way. How? They sit and they play. Okay, so they don't even sound check. There's no sound check. That does not exist. Wow. It, it does not exist. Okay. Okay, so I hired a guy, a buddy of mine, uh, Rudy McNeil. His name is Rude Boy International. Guns and Roses. Oh. Prince, uh, monitor, he's a monitor engineer. Okay. So I, I hire him to do monitors because I knew that was that I was going to be well served. So we well, do this yeah. uh, with no sound checks, monitors. That's I mean, first couple of songs have to be like hell. No, no. So no, no. That's that's not, not unless you're prepared, right? Unless you know what you're doing. Exactly. Ah, I see. So. He did them a lot of years, so you know I was comfortable on monitors. And me, I had Robert Colby's files, so I knew that every band that I did after that, I sounded awesome. <laughs> I had a work file. Yeah, that's worth uh, that's worth millions. Millions. There's no word for that. Yeah. So, so he did that, and then I got to tell you a story with uh, with you know, uh, Root Boy. His name is Rude Boy, and trust me, Rude applies, really applies. Okay, he's one, oh, he's one of those. Yes. Okay. He's one of the best monitor engineer, engineer there is, but he's one of those. So you got to let him be. Do your job, buddy. You get out the hall, he brings a boy, Rude Boy. He brings the boy and bitch at the boy like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> He's on stage calling frequencies. <clears throat> and uh, so he has 10K on stage and I have 12K at front of the house. Wow. So I'm sort of overpowered, if I might say. I would have needed yeah. like 20. But I'm doing a, 
5,000, 2,500 or 3,000 uh, ballroom uh, inside venue. Okay. So, you know, you don't need to be that loud there, rude boy, but what do I know? I'm just a fun house guy. Yeah. So, uh, Clay uh, calls me up, uh, the band leader. Hey, Frenchie. So I go to him, I say, oh, oh yes, he, oh, yeah. Rude boy says to me, says, hey, uh, Frenchie, you know, uh, they fire five from the house guys before they start the show, huh? Just to let you know. <laughs> Have yourself a good day now. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm shitting. That's in encouraging, my, right? <laughs> I'm shitting in my pants. Literally, I smell. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine? Wow, so, what a good way to start a show. <laughs> so he calls me up and he says, uh, hey, Frenchie. So, uh, well, I never did Latin before in my life. Mm. So it's not a kick. It's a bongo. Yeah. So it was less kick, more bongo, and a rounder bass. Mm. So I asked him, he said, is that it? He said, yeah, everything else is cool. Okay, cool. Thank you. Wow. So I said to him, I said, that was my first, no sound check, mind you. Mm. So uh, that's a 48 channel four. Okay. Yeah. Recall, 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 recall. Yeah, because you have, what, what did, uh, you had a PM5D, right? Uh, no, I had a M7CL. M7CL, so you, you're paging all the time. No, it's a M7CL is a, all the faders on one page. Okay, so you had forty-eight faders on on, on your surface. That's correct, and oh, I use okay. and I use a tablet, so I could move around. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a big deal. Tablets was a big deal. Yeah. So having said that, so uh, I said to Clay, I said, Clay, you know, uh, you now we're doing a ballroom here. It's for Mama and Papa, and the people mm. are so old that they don't know that they're dead yet. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> I, I, I said, you think it would be possible to bring the monitor stage down? Oh, yeah, sure, Frenchie. He goes over there on stage and he bitch at rude boy like there was no tomorrow. So that was his payback. <laughs> okay. Yeah, payback. Uh, don't F with the front of house guy. <laughs> You're the A2. I'm the A1. Remember that. Well, okay. So um, it brought it down, man. It was awesome. And that's how I started with them, you know. And so yeah. every time they have a front of house guy and uh, Ray is his their tour manager, I say, Ray, you know, you got a front of house guy. I will not be the guy who will bump the other one because I want the gig. I don't want mm -hmm. the gig. If you need me, I'm available. If not, you know, don't kick your other sound guy out. Because yeah. you want me. So uh, Gloria likes me, you know. She told me that she likes to work with me. But her career is, she doesn't do that no more. She does other stuff, you know. So yeah, fair, I'm, I'm guessing, a, I mean. She's a lovely woman. She's a, there's, this is a family. Uh -huh. I would have loved to tour with them. I would, I would have toured the world with them because she's a family woman. She's not a biatch, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
so uh oh, she that's what she looks like she looks real nice too oh very nice um but she, yeah, I mean, like like all of us, she must be getting older, I guess. Uh, yeah, yes. Comes a time where you want to move on and, and just settle down, I guess. Well, she has restaurants. She has other oh. productions. She, no, she's a well, she's she's well-managed lady. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, I, I did uh, other stuff with other people, you know, James, mm-hmm. James Taylor was another good treat for me. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, John Lodge was another treat for me. Yeah. So now you're uh, sort of semi-retired, I guess, right? You're well, yeah, sailing it's... on your boat and taking whatever gig goes by, but you're not running after them, right? No, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people want me, I'll, I'll go. Um, you know, uh, studying uh, Dave Ratt, um, hearing other sound guy and... Sometimes I'm, uh, you know, I would do a, a show and it would be like too international and I would do the opening act. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I sound better. <laughs> and it's not because I, I brag about it. It's because their ears are burnt. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. And mine are yeah. not. Mm. Because I didn't do that all my life at extreme volume. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, yeah you know, we are human, right? Yeah. Um, me, I have the same problem as as the old sound guys who who've played too loud all their lives. I mean, I've, me, it's my eyes. Um, you won't see me uh, blasting the atomics and blinders and uh, and and strobes and shit all the time because I can't stand it anymore. Even my doctor tells me stop looking at the light. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Okay. And you know what that's from? That's from fashion shows. Yeah. Because I was too dumb to use a light meter, so I used to look right into the light to, to focus it. Oh, my fo- my focus was impeccable. But, I mean, you know, it just shot my eyes, so now I see yeah. black dots everywhere. Wow. But, yeah, but it doesn't matter because I'm always in traffic, so yeah, I can dr- I can still drive. I mean, I don't have to go fast. I don't have to have reflexes. I just follow the guy ahead of me, so it's all good. <laughs> 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 so at, at at this stage, sometimes I go to uh, uh, you know, there's kids now, and that they, uh, and all those people in my life really uh, changed the way I mix. Now I mix so much different. I could say now with confidence that I would sit beside my people that I know, and I would not be ashamed of my mix. I would probably be proud of my mix. I could not. I cannot. I didn't achieve um, uh, the sound that I could, you could say that I saw sound. There was a Russian guy that uh, pushed me over the console, pushed me away from the console. Oh. And uh, you know that guy had to have very big cahoon <laughs> to do that because I own. I I stand my ground. Trust me. Mm. But w- when a guy does that. I will move away because he has big cahoons to do that. Yeah. And man, oh man, oh man, a Russian guy couldn't speak a word English. We just sign language. Mm. And it was awesomeness. Again, I saw sound. I actually, we were not, it was not sound, I saw sound. We were like in a balloon, you know, like in a dome. Mm. We were part of, of the sound, if I might say. Yeah, that's a high level. 
it's it's it, you know it it was so now I have those two things in my head that I try to achieve. I'm getting there. I know it's the reverb. Uh, the reverb of consoles are not really good. Uh, I have a good buddy of mine, Chris Carlton, uh, Steve Rayvon, uh, mm. Sticks, uh, by Russ Dryson. When I go on to Miami, I sleep at over his place, and uh, he has two Brucast TM7. And I send a business to him, you know, and uh, he wants to pay me. I said, No, Chris, I don't want any money. I said, Want when I want your Brucast TM7, I just come over, take it. And I'll bring it back. That's all I want. Because when you have those reverb, life change. So that's, yeah. you know, that's about my story. You know, uh, I really, I'm really passionate. Oh, yes, I wanted to say something. You know, so kids now, they, 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 they always have an opinion. And they always want to mix kick. They want to make a kick. They want to, it's a kick gig. It's, uh -huh. a, it's a kick gig. That's all there is. It's a, a kick. So, <clears throat> is it a kick gig or a bass gig? Uh, and how old are the people? Is it uh, 1960 music? There was not a like, kick then. 50 music, there was not even sub then. It did not even exist. Yeah, and I remember in the 60s, the early 60s, they, they, they couldn't put too much. Uh, even any, any low end would be cut because it would make the record skip. So, you got to mix with what you got in fun. Having said that, mm. sometimes I go to companies and uh, I do teachings. Mm. I, have I have virtual sound check of David Benoit, other bands like that. And uh, so one day I'm in this shop and we set up uh, consoles and my playback. They, they give them my cans that I have right now. Then on HD 3000, Dave Rat says they're the best in the market. So I bought a pair, naturally. <laughs> and uh, so I, um, they mix the half, half an hour, and I prepare a sound check for them, which we don't have, I know, but just for shits and giggles. <clears throat> so I prepare a sound check. They have half an hour to mix, each of them. And after that, it stopped. We save. So save, and uh, we go have lunch. We come back, and I say to them, I said, you know what, guys, I'm going to show you something, what it means to have library file. For me, it's Robert Colby. So, see, I got my, see all my labeling there. For me, it's K91, K52, so that's my kick. Better 91, better than 52, you know. I just labeled my, the way I like it. Snare top, snare bottom, snare two top, snare two bottom, you know. I had one, I had two, right, tom one, two, three, four, override right, override left, bass, bass uh, dirty, bass uh, clean, and guitar one, guitar two, ACC one, ACC two, uh, you know, keyboard is very simple, congas, tambales, whatever, but, so I have this, so I said to the guys, I said, give me uh, two minutes. So I don't even put the cans on. Recall, 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 recall. Lift the faders. Start playing. Oh, gee. I'm almost, I'm almost there, huh? Okay. Pause. Let me put the cans on. I did a little tweaking. So it's uh, me. I go from, you know, 
I do like a sweep on every page. So I clean my gates, check my uh, my uh, my comp, my reverb, you know, and my mm. delays and everything else, and EQ. And after two sweep, I stop. So I'm I'm about five minutes done. So then I save. I'm good. So we took I took one guy and uh, listened to his mix and. I couldn't hear the kick, but uh, the mm. kick was the kick was clipping, but I could not hear it. Okay, uh, everything else was thin. You you thought that the sound was coming right at the middle of your nose, you know. Oh, yeah. The next the next guy was snare. The the kick drum was awesome, but naturally it was David Benoit. So it's okay. a it's a, a jazz. A fusion jazz, like a, a spiral gyro type of thing, but more more piano. And uh, spiral gyro was a treat, man. That was that was that was oh. <laughs> so. But nevertheless, so um, kick was awesome. The rest was okay. And then uh, I said to the, the kid, I said, "Man, I love your kick, but it's a wrong kick. It's a jazz, not a rock kick. You need a jazz kick." And then I left my faders. I said, "Oh, gee, okay." They give me another five minutes, then I got my reverb in there. So I had 10 minutes, and I said, then I just overpassed them. I said, can you imagine if I had half an hour like you guys had? Then I, <laughs> then I would have worked my New York compression. I would have worked my undergroups and all, all those little goodies. And then you would have said, man, freak me out. You're tight like, like, like it's a record. Yeah. I have finalizers. I have, I have so many things happening. Uh, uh, that, but only had five minutes, so I didn't have the time. I wanted to be start where they started. The only thing was label. Label was there. That's all there was. No EQ, no nothing. Everything was flat. So I had to be the same. The same for them. The same for me. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, it's nice to. Uh, they want to show off. They say, "Oh, I did. Uh, I spent seventy-five thousand, and I went to full sale, and I." And uh, I'm better than you are. And when, mm -hmm. and when they com you compare to them and you say, "Oh, gee, guys, uh, uh, that's why you're my bitch for the next ten years," you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's reality, you know. Uh, there was, there was. Oh, I, I gotta tell you this story. Okay. So we're doing a PRG gig, and uh, we're about. I don't know, 25 guys, big corporate gig. And in the big hall, the GS, I'm the A1 over there. But there was a sound check at night, and I didn't want to stay. So there was a buddy over there of mine, and I told him, I said, take my place, and I'll take your hall. Same salary, you know, so who cares? <laughs> so, okay, so when it comes to who's in this hall, so my buddy lifts his hand. And then half an hour later, the guy says, who's Frenchie? Say, so, okay, that's me. Oops. Okay, okay, I'm here. So this kid comes to me and says, hey, Frenchie, I'll do your haul. I look at him and say, oh, gee, thank you. I, I really appreciate now, you know, somebody will cover me right now. That, that, that's good. I want to go home, have lunch, see my wife. Yeah. You know, but uh, let me ask you a question first. And I always ask the same question when somebody wants to show off. I say to, him, to them, what sex XLR you have to have in your hand 
to plug into an output of a console. <laughs> so naturally, the guy that does a trick, my wording and my emphasis are misleading you. So he yeah. says, male. I said, uh, Oop, oops, wrong. <laughs> I'll put you need a female in your hand. Okay, so I'm sorry to say, but you really want to help me out? I said, I misplaced something. And I, I go close to, to his ears and he whisper and I said, I misplaced my Camelot Green to RCA Red. Not the RCA White, but the RCA Red. Can you get that for me, please? <laughs> the guy turned around and walked away. Oh, come on. Yes, he did. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay well those i mean i was expecting tricky questions but i mean this is those are the jokes we were making like 25 years ago right it still works camlock, today. camlock to shackle or, or yeah know, skyhook yeah a, a, a yeah. bucket of blue steam but you know? oh blue steam oh okay we didn't have that no, a bucket had, of blue steam. We had steam. regular steam. <laughs> yeah, bucket of blue steam. We'll get a bucket of blue steam. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to do a show just on those expressions. <laughs> yes. That, that'll be really funny. Anyway, Louie, I got to wrap it up. Um, I, I, thanks, I thank you a million times for taking the time from your dream life on a boat in Florida yeah. Yeah. to talk to us and, and bring us uh, some of your wisdom. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are, will benefit from uh, from this interview, which uh, which ran over like two and a half times my regular interviews, but doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, just 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 chop off the excess, you know. Yeah, right. Sure. You know yeah. what? I mean, uh, the the first episodes I started editing, and uh, you know, the more I go, the more I just let it go. And I oh, yeah. say, you know what? I mean, if it if it was pleasant for me, it'll be pleasant for everybody. So I mean, I cool. can cut off whatever whatever yeah. fucked up, like when we lose the signal or whatever. But it uh, was a pleasure. It was it's it's a pleasure. I'm still passionate, like you are. We're passionate. We're crazy people. You know that? Yeah, yeah, we are. We yeah, are very crazy, crazy people. I I remember I remember the first uh, the first gigs we did together. I was just starting out on a Compulite Spark. And uh, and you were pushing me in the ass, man. You were asking me for impossible things to do that I know today. Um, but well, do you know that time, I do you know that I knew those things? Huh? Of course, of course. I found out later. I said he was just pushing me because he knew I could I could go further. He wanted to get the best out of me, and and I always remember that. I'll always be thankful for that. Because when you have some guy in, in your back pushing you, and, and I was uncertain because I was starting, so I didn't know what was possible and was n what was not possible. And and you don't want to say, I can't do it. So you just push hard. And what did I do at the end of the day? Mm. Got home like at 2 a.m., opened up the fucking manual, and started, okay, how do I do this? How do I get out of this one? You know? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I did that at the shop. I closed a shop. I did the whole manual. <laughs> the which one? The Spark? Yes. Oh man, four hundred pages. Yes, I did that, <laughs> and with the Technobeam and uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, the those Technobeam pal, controllers. Those pal, the, it took me two pals. days. Two yeah. days to lay the strike, to strike the lab. <laughs> Channel one, one twenty eight. I didn't know that then. 
No, no, you had to read back then. I yes. Mean, the, 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 today, boards will do it for you. Um, but back then, you had to know what the hell you were doing, man, that or was... else nothing nothing works. Yeah, and, I remember uh, one time yeah. that you were you and I and Jacques Lévesque were doing this horse thingy. Remember that? Oh, uh, Blainville? No, in uh, uh, Palais des Congrès. There was a stadium type of four-corner stadium seating. Yeah. And then Jacques Lévesque brought a was, horse in. That's correct. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And then you you said to me, you asked me, you said, um, I'd like to have some knowledge from Jacques Lévesque. Yeah. And I told you, I said, don't ask a dumb to a question. <laughs> I remember that. And I went to Jacques, I said, please be nice to my lighting guy. Coco, just be nice, behave yourself. <laughs> well, you know what? It worked because we became good friends, and I'm and I'm pretty sure it's because of that. Because he wasn't an easy person to talk to. Oh right no, then. he's not. Yeah. He then then now he's a better person. But yeah, I remember yeah. that you said to him, "You ask a question," and it was not in the manual, and he was on uh, uh, you know right in front of the desk. His uh-huh. hand was over his head and. Touching the, the 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 spark top, and you go this, you do that, you do this, you do that, you do this, and this is how you do it. And those <laughs> computer like guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> and then you come to realize that he knew more than the manual knew. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Well, he's a genius. I always told him, but by the way, because he had that temper, um, and he was bitching at everybody. And once I I, I was on a movie set with him. And I, I, I got him in a corner and I said, Coco, you got to realize something. You are a genius. Whether you want it, whether you want to admit it or not, you are a genius. And everybody on the set will agree to that. Now, the problem is you have to accept that fact and accept also that everybody else around you is an incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, me, I call him Einstein. You know that Archie didn't want to hire him. Well, a lot of people didn't want to hire and him. And I said, Archie, I want him. Says no. Yeah. I said he's the best of the best. I'll deal with his character. I, I sometimes I send him in this dimmer world. I said hide. I had to. <laughs> I had to just scre- make it work and hide. <laughs> no, I, I had to scream at him like a oh. kid, and he would go in his corner and hide until I tell him to put his head out when the client left. But at the end <laughs> of the day, he for me is Einstein. Of course. When, you know, yeah. when he would say on that mother uh, Mac 2000, it's the second PC, it's the chip number, tick a tick, that was broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. When you have a guy that says that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he's more than more. He's the best. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you know? the guy who would just, he'd sit at a board that's not working, he'll open it up, yeah. fix it, close it up. There you go. It's a, it's a bit like Adele Caddy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know that uh, Celine Dion store when they, when uh, uh, when Lapay has problem when his rig who he calls? He calls who? He calls uh, Coco. Coco, yeah. Okay, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. So you yeah. have an international lighting guy that one is in a pinch. He calls Coco Levike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at not the end bad, of the day, eh? yeah, not bad, huh? <laughs> not bad, eh? For a guy who nobody wants to hire. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I got him on the air tonight, so uh, I yeah, can't, say I hi can't to wait him, to please. talk to him. Oh, of course I will. 
Well, that's the end of another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. Stay tuned for more episodes. Special thanks to AVL Media Group and Avolites, who, in my opinion, make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you would like to test drive an Avolites console, contact me via BackstageCowboys.com. This is Claude Vien returning you to whatever you were doing before tuning in. (laughs) 